You are listening to the Women of the Military podcast, where we share the stories of female service members and how the military touched their lives. I'm your host, military veteran, military spouse, and mom, Amanda Huffman. My goal is to find the heart of the story and uncover issues women face while serving in the military. If you want to be encouraged by the stories of military women and be inspired to change the world, keep tuned for this latest episode of Women of the Military. My guest today is Sherry Eifler. Sherry is a former Army soldier turned devoted Army wife and mom. It's her home where the Army sends her husband of over 25 years, Brian. And together they embrace the adventure of military family life with their three amazing children and faithful pups, Kate and Soul. Sherry's military experience, both in and out of uniform, have shaped her skills as an engaging storyteller who invites you to think in a new way. She is recognized transformation specialist ready to connect today through her multi-face approach to engaging women's ministry. Thank you for being here, Sherry. I'm excited to talk to you a little bit today. Thank you for having me, Amanda. Let's just start with why did you decide to join the military? Oh, wow. It's a kind of a funny story. I decided to join the army because it was the end of my freshman, well, getting to the end of my freshman year of college. And I think my dad decided I needed more focus and discipline. So he said, Hey, let's talk to a recruiter. You can join the army reserve and, you know, have an additional income as you're moving through college. And so I said, Oh, okay. And so we sat down with the recruiter. We're getting everything figured out. And he's like, wait a minute, you're in college. We can get you linked up with the ROTC program and you can get an additional hundred dollars a month. I'm like, Oh, okay. Sounds good. Sign me up. And there I went. I was basically just trying to make my family proud and hoping to fall to get into the medical side of things along with working towards my teaching degree. So did you end up joining the reserves and doing ROTC at the same time? Yes, I was part of the simultaneous membership program. So I was actually I actually went to basic training at Fort Dix, New Jersey and as and I was planning on becoming a medic, but because I did ROTC, then that stopped that and I became a member of a reserve unit with the intention that when I became commissioned that I would also serve in that unit. So I, I served in the reserve unit after basic training while I was going through the ROTC program. What was it like doing both the reserve duty and the ROTC? Was it, was it seamless? between the two or did you have to like switch your hat or switch your mindset to do each part? You know, that wasn't really a big, I think the biggest thing for me was I went to basic training first before I even really knew what ROTC was. So when I went through basic training, here I am a private and you're afraid if any officers come in your way because you're supposed to be perfect whenever the officers come in. And so when I went to my very first reserve drill, all of a sudden I'm in a medical unit and there's nothing but officers around me. And so I was like, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And it was a little overwhelming. But then I walked into the ROTC department and it was basically all officers there. And I was like, oh my goodness, what have I signed up for? You know, but going, so then I started, 
going back to my reserve unit and I had a cadet status. And so then the the officers and NCOs there were taking me underneath their wing as, you know, mentoring me and recognizing that I had leadership potential and that I was never really going to serve in their unit in my medical training capacity because I hadn't yet received the A advanced training from AIT. So I never did have my medical skills. That's interesting. So once you started ROTC, you went from being a private to a cadet type status where, and they treated you a little bit differently. Yes. And it, it was, it was a big change for me. It was a total mindset change because my first experience with the army was showing up with all of my stuff for the summer basic training and us dumping it all out on the, you know, pavement. And one of the girls next to me, she did something that the drill sergeant didn't like. So she, we're all standing there and this drill sergeant says, beat your face private. And so she literally takes her hands and starts beating her cheeks. And we all were like, oh my gosh, we're going to have to beat our face. And of course, drill sergeant started laughing because what he meant was let's do some pushups here, girl. And so that was, so I went from that experience to then going into ROTC to where it was just kind of a relaxed environment. We were all here to learn and we, it was all about leadership. So what was your time? How much time did you spend doing ROTC and what was that experience like? I was actively in the ROTC program for two years and it was a real, it was a real time of growth for me. I had grown up being a part of sports. So I was a swimmer, I ran track, I played soccer. And so I really enjoyed the camaraderie. Um, Being part of a team was something that was really important to me. And I found that again in ROTC. And so I ra- I joined the um, Ranger Challenge team. And so that meant I was getting up and doing workouts in the morning. We were doing a little more excessive stuff. We would go to the field, learn more um, leadership training, more like squad tactics. I was learning the infantry side of the military in ROTC, where in when I was in my reserve unit, I was learning the medical side of leadership. And so it was very interesting between the two. I really, I, that's where I made my lifelong friends was in ROTC. Many of those friends I still keep in contact with. We've done the Army career together. We've been to each other's weddings and enjoyed getting together and seeing, you know, our children still. So that was like a big part of my life. And I think it was a big part of me developing into the person that I am today. Yeah, that makes sense. And did you meet your husband while you were doing ROTC? Yes, we did. We met that first year that I began um, ROTC. And I always like to tell the funny story that I've when I first walked into my first classroom with ROTC, there he was sitting and he had this briefcase opened in front of him. And I'm thinking, what nerd carries a briefcase in college, right? And then that nerd was the one that I ended up marrying. So it was kind of funny. And so when did you guys get married? We got married while I was still in college and he had graduated and finished his officer basic course. And so it was the summer of 91 is when we got married. So I was part of the early commissioning program. So I had completed my ROTC requirements. So I was commissioned as a second lieutenant. I was able to drill with my reserve unit, but I was not. And since I'd been selected for active duty, I was just waiting for my graduation. And then I would go on active duty as a medical service corps officer. And when your husband went on active duty, 
it sounds like you guys were separated. We were, we were separated. It was the first two years that of our marriage, we lived together maybe three or four months because I wasn't still in college and he was, you know, in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And then when, once I graduated, then I had to go to my five month officer basic training. And then once we got back together, then he got sent off for Hurricane Andrew and the story goes on. That's a common theme of dual military, especially I think when you both are in ROTC or if you meet in college, because just all the trainings and all the different, and like my husband commissioned a year before me. So I was still at school for a year and he was off in New Mexico. So I I understand. I've been there. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you have a strong marriage though, when you spend the first two years, basically still long distance, you know? What was your first assignment like after your mission? So you were in the reserve unit for the two years that you did ROTC, and then where did you go? I was fortunate, and I was stationed with my husband at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and that was following the Gulf War, so everything was in transition. So I was part of a newly stood up 261st Area Support Medical Battalion, and that was a dream assignment for me because it was we were in support of the 82nd, So I was an ambulance platoon leader and I got to make sure that the soldiers were and medics were prepared to go and support the drop zones. So they went to all the drop zones when the jumps happened and they were there to super, you know, to take care of any injuries that happened on the drop zone. It was, it was a lot of fun. And through that experience, I actually did get to go to EMT school and get certified as an EMT. And so my soldiers were not happy when that happened because then the training that I prepared for them and then I would evaluate the training, then I knew when they weren't doing things correctly. So that was kind of fun. It is kind of fun. You're like, no, you're not doing it right because you knew. Yes. And they looked at me and I'm like, I'm sorry, but you have to do this right for, you know, our soldiers. Right. (laughs) Did you support any operations during your military service? You mentioned that the Gulf War had just ended. Basically what happened is Somalia kicked off after I came on active duty. And I, part of our unit actually did go to Somalia in support of it, but I was kept back. And eventually what they did was they needed to send a contingent to Fort Dix, New Jersey. And so I went with that contingent and we were, we were the ones that as the soldiers and like the medical and the onesies and twosies that were going to augment and, you know, switch out the people from Somalia. We were that group that would go, they would come through to make sure that they were medically ready to go into Somalia. And then those coming back from Somalia, we, we would check them out and make sure that they were all medically cleared to go back to their reserve units or their active duty units. And you were still stationed at Fort Bragg at the time? Yes. And then we're sent to Fort Dix. Yeah. So it was not, it was in support of, but you know, not really part of anything big. Still, it's what the military wanted you to do and you did it. So that's important. Did you face any struggles while serving in the military? I think my biggest struggles that I faced were the challenges that came by being dual military. And both of us trying, were very achiever focused. So I had my dreams and my goals and he had his dreams and his goals and being in locations where we could both achieve at our goals was difficult. My husband came on active duty before I did, and then he got selected for 
the first ranger battalion, which was you only got to go there if you were selected and recommended. So it was a big thing. So that caused him to move before I was ready to move out of my job in Fort Bragg. And so I had to sacrifice a opportunity to be a company commander as a first lieutenant, but it was it was the right thing to do because we got married because we wanted to live together and we had already spent the first two years of our marriage basically not together. So I moved to the Savannah area, was at Fort Stewart, and they found a job for me. They literally created a job in the division surgeon's office for me, which I was so thankful for because it was so much nicer being close to him rather than being, I think it was like two and a half or actually it was a three hour drive, just, just a far enough to be painful away from him. And so I worked in the division surgeon's office, but quickly I realized that I was not going to get down to the, the platoon level, the company level, and actually be working with medics again, unless I personally did something about it. So the first time we went to the field with the um, headquarters of the division, we were also with some supporting units and I, I really didn't have any role out there in the field. So I just quickly went around and started watching different people. And then if I, I liked the way that they led, then I would go up to them and ask them, so do you have any need for, you know, a first lieutenant any place? <laughs> so I got myself a job as a executive officer with a headquarters company with the DISCOM. And I know they don't have discoms anymore. So a discom is a division port brigade. But you were an executive officer. Yeah. So you found a job since you kind of weren't really doing anything where you were currently. Yeah. yeah. That's good that they were able to kind of create something so that you guys could be stationed together. But then it kind of was had its bad parts, too, because it wasn't really the best place for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't career progression for me. And so I think that's why I ended up getting out partially is because it just, it, it wasn't satisfying. And when you're in a work environment, that's not satisfying and you don't see a, the natural progression that you, you know, should be happening for me, that just became like too much. It didn't matter that my best friend lived there. It didn't matter that, you know, I was close to my husband at that point. It was like, it just wasn't, I I just felt like it was time to get out, especially because we were at that point where we had both been promoted to captain and it was time to go to the career course. And it looked like we were going to be separated after that because it looked like they were going to send us both to Korea, but he would have been serving up by the DMZ and I wouldn't have been able to be up there because women had not been allowed to serve in combat at that time. Oh, that's interesting. Those combat zones, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So women weren't allowed up there. Interesting. So, yeah. So that would have meant that you would have both been in Korea, but you would have still been separated. Even as a medic, you weren't allowed to be there because it was... That's interesting how much has changed in not really that much time. Right. Yeah. No, there weren't, there were no positions for a medical service corps officer that was a female up there because it was infantry units and they had some support units. And I don't know if they had any women in those, but from what, where I needed to go and what I needed to be doing next for my progression, it was not conducive. So then you decided that you got you were going to get out of the military. And what was your transition like out of the military? 
it was, you know, it was pretty seamless because we decided that at that time we were going to start our family because all the grandmas were asking and they had been asking and we said, Hey, just give us five years. And it, that's what it ended up being was five years. I was on active duty. And so then we, we started our family. So I, I literally left the military pregnant for our first child who ended up being a daughter. And so we went to a schoolhouse and he finished up his schoolhouse. Then he got his follow-on assignment, which was Korea. And he left one month after our daughter was born and went to Korea. And I went home and lived with my uh, family in Michigan. And his parents lived in Michigan also. So we were near all of the grandparents. So it was very nice. And so I transitioned basically into being a civilian, which was interesting because I didn't have any of the military stuff around me. So I think it made it easier for me because I didn't still have that pull and that desire to be doing things. I felt that he was in Korea for about two years because he ended up doing his company command over there. And but when we moved back into the military post, I, that's when I started feeling the, the struggle of, well, who am I now? And after I went through that, I was like, okay, now I am the military spouse and the, the volunteer started kicking in. And I, I coined it as the professional volunteer because people would always are asking you, so what do you do? What do you do? And I would just say, I'm a professional volunteer. And they would look at me, but that's basically, you know, the military is a professional institution and that's who I was volunteering for was the military. So I would get involved with our um, family readiness groups. I would volunteer with the Protestant women in the chapel. I would volunteer at the, you know, vacation Bible school and just, you know, different things to keep my kids involved with you know, the army life and be able to help people because I had a different perspective and I could help the new, you know, wives coming in because we were in infantry. So I, I'm saying wives instead of spouses all the time, but the new people coming in, they didn't understand what it was like to be on the other side, to be in the uniform, to have to hold, you know, keep up that responsibility. And they didn't understand that the soldier didn't want to be away from the family, but that was their responsibility at the time. So it sounds like you're kind of bridging the gap between the military spouses and the military member before it was even like a thing that people talked about, but you were giving your experience to help them understand a side that you can't really understand unless you've served in the military. Yeah, that, that was what I found myself doing because there were a lot of um, people who just didn't understand. They're like, I don't understand. Why does, why do they have, why are they on lockdown? You know? Yeah. And, and you don't get any information when they're on lockdown. So I had to kind of go, well, these are the possibilities. I don't know which one of it is, but when these types of things happen, they put them on lockdown and, you know, we have a responsibility for sensitive equipment or whatever it happens to be. Everybody's got to be focused on it. So, you know, they aren't able to call. So you said your transition was pretty seamless out of the military for the first two or so years when you were separated and then you came back. I thought that was interesting because when I left, I became a mom, but my husband was, I was still connected to the military and I really struggled with the switch from being on active duty to becoming a mom because I felt that pull of being in the military and like what I was missing out on to stay at home. So that's kind of an interesting perspective that you kind of got away from it and it didn't have as much influence. And then you came back and you could feel that pull. So how are you able to overcome that just by volunteering and getting more involved and finding a new passion or 
what did you do? Yeah, it, it really was. It was finding my new purpose because my purpose for those five years was to serve the military and further the readiness of, of the military community and the units that I served in. And as an active duty um, soldier, I also was filling the role of a military spouse at the same time because there was a unique um, expectation that because I was a wife, I still had wifey things that I needed to, you know, roles that I needed to be fulfilling within his unit. And so I just, because I was already aware of that, it made me just recognize that, hey, I can really do a good service in serving and volunteering within the family readiness groups and just coming alongside that, the different agencies that are supporting the families while we're doing life in the Army. That's interesting, too, because when I was on active duty and I also a woman and a wife, and I was, so I was technically a military spouse, just like my husband. And they were like, you should be a key spouse. You should do this. You should do that. And they didn't ask Michael to do anything because they were like, he's a guy. And I was like, but I'm in the military. So it's kind of interesting that you were not pulled in, but because of your gender, you were, I guess, recognized as a military spouse more than your husband because he was a military spouse as well. But I'm sure he wasn't asked to do any of those things. No, he, he wasn't. And, and I guess li living in it, I didn't really think that much of it. But when I came out on the other side, I really started recognizing. And I had a very interesting experience when we were at Fort Bragg. We were only there for, I think it was the first year that we were there. And I'd finally made it there and I made it to my, you know, it was like my second or third coffee. And I'm at the coffee and we're at the battalion commander's spouse's home. And she stands up and she says, ladies, I want you to know what you do and what you don't do does affect your husband's career. And I was like, what do you, what? And I'm like, looked at around the room and I'm the only active duty soldier in there. I'm like, I can't do what all you people do, right. you know, <laughs> doesn't what I do as a soldier count in this? And so I will never forget that that feeling. And so that really, but then the follow on battalion commander spouse was not like that at all. So I think it was part of that changing of the old mm -hmm. um, way of thinking, but yeah, it is, it is funny. And, and even now in the role that I have as a senior spouse, I I'm really drawing in as many of the male spouses as I can. And I have noticed over the last, I would say, eight years or so that the male spouses are starting to be more comfortable being involved, whether they are active duty or whether they have a civilian job. And so it's been fun to see that transition. And in the current role that I'm in, I'm encouraging the male spouses to get involved because I just remind them that they can volunteer in the community and be just as effective, if not more effective, especially when it comes to working with teens and the children, because many of our teens and children, when we have, you know, their soul, their father is away, when they have a male role model around, it really makes a difference in their lives. Yeah, that's really cool that you're pulling them in and that they, I think people don't think about how much men can offer to the military community, especially when they're on the 
spouse side because they have a different perspective. Just like women in the military have a different perspective than men, male military spouses have a different perspective than females and can help in different ways. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah. My last question is going to be, what would you tell girls who are considering joining the military? Oh, well, I would say if young girls are thinking of joining the military, that I think they, it's a wonderful op- opportunity for them to grow into who they are and to gain skills and confidence in their life journey. I really think the military as a unique way of just pushing you professionally, emotionally, physically, and personally. It really helps you rise to the challenge and it opens your eyes to um, a wider worldview. Because for me, I came from a little town and my little town didn't, didn't, you know, I didn't experience much. It was a farm town. We were, you know, a kind of an offshoot of a big city and if I had never left my hometown, I wouldn't have had the experiences that I've had now. So I always encourage girls, young women to go for it because they will do things that they never thought they could do. And they will see their opportunities just come wide open for themselves and, and for their family if they happen to already have a family. Yes, the military definitely opens doors and changes how you view the world because you meet different people, you go different places, and you do things that you never thought you could do. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciated getting to hear your story and to learn a little bit more about your time in the military. And I guess I want to ask one last question. I changed my mind. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you're doing right now? Oh, yeah. Well, I... Through all of my experience as a in the military and then as a professional volunteer, I realized that um, teaching was my is my passion and helping people grow is my passion. So I joined the John Maxwell team, which has helped me open my doors to being able to be an executive coach, help people grow and transform their lives because we have so much more potential than we can see in ourselves. So that's why pulling a growth coach in or an executive coach helps you move forward. And I also very involved with um, the local um, Protestant Women in the Chapel, and I ended up writing a women's Bible study, which was recently published. It's called Royal Reflections, The Making of a Warrior Princess. And so I have a website, and I have Facebook and Instagram, and everything is all wrapped around personal growth and transformation, taking you from where you are to where you are meant to be. That's great. And I'll put all the links in the show notes so that people can easily find you on either the social media platform or check out your website. Thank you again for being a guest. I really appreciate getting a chance to talk to you. Thank you, Amanda. It was wonderful to get to talk to you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Women of the Military. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing stories I have with women who have served in our military. Did you love the show? Don't forget to leave a review. Finally, if you are a woman who has served or is currently serving in the military, please email me at airmantomom at gmail.com so I can set you up to be on a future episode of Women of the Military. 